Hello folks, my name is Kenny Walker and you're listening to the Real or Node podcast. On this, the first of a two-part episode, we are looking at how Heritage Railways are safely returning for passengers and finding out about how one particular railway has delivered major improvements. But first of all, let me introduce our guests. I'm joined today by Ian Skinner, Office of Rail and Roads Head of Non-Mainline and Lead for Heritage Railway Safety, Steve Oates, Chief Executive of the Heritage Railway Association, and Michael Proctor, Chairman of Allen Valley Railway in Northumberland. And for those listening, minor and heritage railways are lines of local interest. Museum railways are tourist railways that preserve recreate or simulate railways of the past, or demonstrate or operate historical or special types of motive power or rolling stock. There are more than 200 such railways operating across Great Britain. As everyone knows, the COVID-19 pandemic has had a substantial impact on the railways, and many heritage railway operators have found themselves in financial peril due to COVID-19, with some of them tapping into the UK government's culture recovery fund. All were forced to close railway operations, shops and cafes, and the pandemic's long-term impact on heritage railways is still unknown. Many heritage railways during this time have worked to improve how they run for passengers, especially with improving the safety of their railways. So firstly, let's bring in Steve Oates from the Heritage Railway Association. Steve, can you tell us a little bit more about how COVID-19 has impacted the heritage sector? Yes, uh, although actually your introduction has done a pretty good job because although I'd use one additional word over and above what you've already said, um, and that word is devastated. Like so much of the, uh, I suppose, the transport sector, the cultural sector, the visitor economy and so on, Heritage Railways basically just devastated uh, by the onset of the pandemic, which, um, what was it, just over 13 months ago. And from the moment it hit, I suppose like everybody else, nobody could be sure what was coming next. And it absolutely changed everything. It hit right at the start of the tourist season, just at the point as some heritage railways had already opened in the middle of March, and one or two had been steaming in February and so on last year. Easter was around the corner and then suddenly everything stopped. And within the space of literally, what was it, 24, 48 hours, something like that, Everything stopped. Railway after railway after railway uh, stopped operating, not knowing when they'd be able to operate again. And in those sorts of situations, you get everybody looking at each other and going, uh, where is life going next? Whether you're an employee or a volunteer. And bearing in mind, you know, the heritage rail sector employs around 4,000 people. You know, Jobs were on the line. General managers thinking, what do I do next? Um, where's the cash coming from? Everything was just turned off at source, you know, and we ended up with months of enforced closure. Um, and in terms of working on the railways, no chance of, of, of getting any serious work done, restoration work, uh, maintenance work, and so on. Um, bills still mounting up. As we all know, the furlough scheme came in and, and uh, other sources of, of help came in, but nothing to make up the, the, the shortfalls. And Really, it was also part of, you know, when you look back, you're thinking, you know, this is week by week, month by month, 
when is this going to end? And eventually we got the signal that uh, rallies could open last year from the 4th of July. A number of them got straight back into it. And luckily, uh, the visitor economy, what was what was uh, available for, for 2020, did pick up um, very quickly. But massive restrictions in the ways of, of operation, a whole range of new COVID secure uh, ways of working had to, had to be put in place for train operations, for loading and unloading passengers, for catering facilities, on train catering and so on. Um, special events were pretty much a no-no and obviously events are, can be a major source of income. Uh, retail was all, all affected and so on and just general ways of working. But the one thing I do have to say is that Heritage Railways did show massive resilience and an absolute eagerness and determination that they would continue, you know, whether that was the employed staff, the volunteers, the boards and trustees, uh, and so on. The resilience and the determination has been massive. External sources of funding and loans have been grabbed wherever possible. And bar one, everybody is still there. They're still smiling. And they're coming back I was about to say bigger and better for 2021, but they're coming back and they're and they're already a lot of them already back in steam, back operating, um, but still having to operate in a COVID COVID secure manner. So overall, started off by being devastating, lots of lessons learnt, um, uh, but thankfully uh, everybody is still just about there and peering to the future. I think with some hope, maybe not optimism yet, but but you know well-founded hope. Yeah, so like you say, a, de a devastating impact, um, but resilience has been shown, and and uh, the hope and optimism is just over the hill. Um, <laughs> I can I can take it from from what you've just said. Can we bring in Ian from ORR? In the last year, Office of Rail and Road provided advice and guidance to Heritage Railways, but also conducted a number of inspections to help. Tell us why safety is so important as the railways return. Hi Kenny, yeah. Why is safety important? Well, I think it's first of all important to recognise that the ORR, Majesty Railway Inspectorate, we want the heritage sector to be successful and to get back to recreating the vibrancy that existed prior to the onset of COVID in 2020. But we also want them to be safe. We need them to be safe, to maintain the excellent safety record the heritage sector has had over recent years. The public, passengers, volunteers and staff of heritage railways expect railways to be safe. They don't go there with the possibility of being harmed. They go there thinking it will be safe, and it is safe. Over the uh, the duration of the, the pandemic, um, ORR have been out uh, undertaking any inspections with the, the Heritage Railway. Uh, can you give any examples or, of what you've found on, on these inspections? Yeah, I think the, the most interesting part of our work, the Heritage Sector, is that Heritage Railways are both varied in scale and in size, in terms of the size of the asset that they have and in terms of the numbers of volunteers and paid staff that they have helping them control safety. What we found from all of our inspections over the last couple of years, actually, is that all of the railways have a dedicated bunch of leaders and staff who want to do the right thing at the right time to the right quality, which is really a great place to start. We've also seen, particularly over the last year, there are a number of increasing challenges being created due to the ageing aspect of their assets, be that rolling stock and carriages, be that their civil engineering assets such as bridges and track, or be it the signalling systems. We've also started to see a change in profile in volunteers, and I think the sector need to think about that. And finally, the impact of financial constraints. Obviously, Steve has talked about the impact of COVID on the financial aspects of many railways, and that is starting to trickle through into how they 
manage their assets. So all of this means that really railways need to be able to demonstrate that they are managing safety risk in a systematic manner. And what we have found over the last 12 months is that most railways are controlling risk, but they're not necessarily able to demonstrate how they're doing that. So we have asked the sector to stop and think. Think about the risks they're controlling. Do they understand the risks? Do they understand how they control them? And they do that through the quality of the safety management system, a fundamental requirement for all railways. We just ask railways to think, is my SMS as complete as I expect it to be? Is it relevant? Is it doing what I think it should be doing? And from that, that will help them understand the condition of their bridges, their track and their signaling equipment, the competency of the staff. The HRA have done a lot of great work over the last 12 months supporting Heritage Railways develop the competency of the staff. And that work should be continuing into 21 and beyond. And finally, the safety of the staff and volunteers working in the workshops, working on the locomotives, working in the carriages. How are they controlling those risks? And we've provided advice through the year to help people get better in that area. Thanks very much, Ian. So now let's turn to Allen Valley Railway. Uh, Michael, we've heard already about the financial impacts of of COVID and ORR's inspection work, why safety is important, the expectations of of passengers and volunteers, as Ian's just described. Uh, Could you tell us how this has all impacted Allen Valley Railway? Yes, um, I think it's probably fair to say that 2020 um, was a perfect storm for the Allen Valley Railway. And it was probably the culmination of a lot of problems that had been bubbling under the surface for, for a number of, of years. And COVID was, was in some respects, a, a blessed relief to it all because it gave us some, some breathing space, actually. But if I start maybe by just giving you a little bit of a summary for those who don't know the, uh, the Arm Valley Railway. We essentially restore on the Annick branch, which runs from Almouth Station on the East Coast Main Line into the market town of, of Annick. Uh, a total of about three miles. And we actually started with a greenfield site in, in 2011 because it was no longer possible to reach the, the annex station due to a, an A1 bypass, which um, unfortunately severed the line in 1968. And at the present, we have about a, a mile and a quarter of, of, of track running to a, a temporary halt, uh, which is near enough to the, to the halfway mark. So we've grown from nothing in 2011 to a, to a functioning railway, which has been a, a very rapid growth. So what we've been doing since then is fundamentally looking at every aspect of, of the railway, how it should operate, what it needs to do to, in, in order to operate safely. We're now at the point where I think we've now filled in all of the gaps in, in our safety management system. We've got sweet policies that I think I'm, I'm very happy with, which will be sort of, is, is now up for consultation internally and which will be aiming to get signed off by the, the board by the end of, of next month. Fundamentally, I think the thing which which we've done, and, and it's one of the things that most pleased of in a sense of how the, how the board is now functioning, is that we've attempted to do everything openly and honestly. We've involved uh, volunteers across the organisation. We've involved our wider membership because we're a membership organisation first and foremost. We've worked on a basis of safety first and we don't do anything unless we are sure that what we're doing is is safe and we we have understood the risks and and are setting out to to manage. So I think we're, we're now in a fundamentally much much better place and i think probably the input of the orr was the uh, the turning point for us it's good to hear how orr's inspections help help deliver some change for the good and it's good to hear that you're in a much better place as well um at the minute 
Michael, can you just explain how vital the volunteers are to the safety of services? Well, they're, they're fundamental. I mean, you know, we, we, we don't employ any staff. We are entirely reliant on volunteers. And, and one, of, one of the benefits of that is that, you know, people are there because they want to be there. They're not there to, to, to earn a living. And they bring a huge amount of commitment and enthusiasm to, to the work. Our, our volunteers, I think, are, are our strongest point. The Office of Rail and Road recently launched its sector-specific risk management model for Heritage Railways to help achieve excellence when controlling health and safety risks. ORR worked with the heritage sector to develop a topic set one of its risk management maturity model, that's RM3, to be a tool to help railway organisations understand the maturity of their safety management system to improve reliability, performance and overall satisfaction of staff and passengers. Michael, I'll come to you first. Do you think this will help you improve further? I'm absolutely certain. We, we were actually um, an early adopter of, of, of the RM3 and, and we, we did use the full version of, of, of RM3 two years running, a couple of years ago now, as, as a means of, of attempting to um, to give the, uh, the leadership of the organisation um, an insight in, into, into its weaknesses. And, and it proved, I think, to be a a very enlightening exercise. I was I was just speaking to our um, health and safety advisor earlier on to, to um, just to get his summary of, of, of what what he thought it had, had taught us. And, and his view was, was that there were no real surprises in in, in the findings. Well, actually, well, one of the, the the biggest surprises were were that you know at, at best we were scoring ones and twos in in, in some some key areas, but. Um, significantly some of the leadership were scoring us as fours, fours and fives, which should perhaps have been a, a, a sign that at that point that they needed to do something. What we uh, what we have been doing over the course of the last few months is we, we've drawn quite heavily on the uh, 12 tablets of governance, which which form part of the, the RM3 as, as a means of looking at how how we as a board should, should be leading the, the, the organisation. And now that we have the, the final version of, of the, the heritage set, our intention is to use that as, as a means of auditing progress of upcoming years. And, and we have actually just written that in, into our, our safety management system that we will be using that as, as part of our, our audit and monitoring uh, processes. Steve, are you pleased to see this as well? De- definitely, yeah. And uh, as Michael said, uh, Hamper of Railways were using the full topic set version for, for, for a short while. And uh, as RM3 was introduced to the heritage sector, in fact, the HRA worked with, with the ORR, with Ian, and set up a series of six seminars, which were extremely well attended, well over 100 uh, uh, or representatives from well over 100 heritage railways attended at uh, RM3 sessions, day-long sessions, um, with presentations by Ian and, uh, and colleagues at the ORR, um, and, and also a, an exercise part of the session. And when we put these together, and, and I remember liaising with Ian and thinking, well, how well these will go down? Will anybody actually want to come to these? And I said, we had you know, over 100 railways attended, and pretty much everybody said, get it now. This is the way to go. And whilst the implementation of rm3 as a management tool is you know being rolled out bit by bit and you know had covid to, to contend with uh, in the interim it is being used and the new uh, topic set the heritage topic set is already being well used 
And in fact, although it's my full time role as chief executive of the HRA, I am a volunteer on a heritage railway. Uh, in fact, I'm on the board of trustees of a heritage railway. And just last weekend, I spent a happy three or four hours on, with the board on some training on particularly on the items on leadership and governance. And we did a full session on it. So from that point of view, I've got firsthand experience of using it uh, within a heritage railway. And actually, it was a very good session. And it did everything it said on the box and everything. I remember Ian saying a year or two ago during those uh, those um, seminars, you know, in terms of that, that discussion and that real digging into the issues and understanding and getting the evidence. So um, I think it's a, it's a really, really important tool for Heritage Railways. And, and I'm really pleased to, to, to see the, uh, uh, the, the sector yeah, starting to use it. And finally, Ian, just um, following on from, from both Michael and, and Steve there, they both explained the importance of it. Can you just uh, tie it all together for, for us? Yeah, I, I think for me, Kenny, when I came into the heritage sector at the beginning of 2018, I saw many railways who exhibited some of the characteristics that Michael described in his honest and frank description of the challenges Allen Valley were going through. And I was looking for a tool or a way to help railways reflect on their strengths and weaknesses and then provide them with a route map to improve themselves. And I clearly, through discussions with many people in the sector, realized that the full fat version of RM3 2019, the ORR induced in April 2019, was maybe not quite the right tool, wasn't quite aimed at the right level. And the topic set concept came about. And through working with Steve and HRA and many heritage railways, we produced something which is far more accessible and uses examples, I think, that heritage railways can relate to, to help them understand how good they are, or perhaps some gaps where leaders need to take action. And I'm really pleased that many of the railways are now taking this on board, to help them understand through self-reflection without the need for me to get involved as to where can they improve, and then take ownership of that and move forwards. And it is particularly aimed at leaders and boards of railways, who I think have a key role in helping the sector move forwards, which is why we have the 12 tablets of governance within that document, which is aimed at helping people understand the importance of governance, the role of governance, and the role of leaders and board members in making sure that it happens. And only through doing that will railways continue to survive and become more successful, both in terms of safety risk control, but actually in a wider concept as a business. In addition to COVID and safety, another issue impacting the sector is coal and the environmental um, issues that that brings with it has been talked about quite a lot. Um, can I ask your thoughts on that? Um, Steve, could I go to you on that question first and then we'll, we'll bring in um, Michael and Ian. You could do a podcast on this subject just, just alone, but you could do a whole series on, on, on coal and environmental issues. Um, yeah, coal is a major, a major problem. It's, it's a major worry for heritage railways and in fact heritage steam um, because actually we're, 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 all, we're all in this together. With the exception of one mine still operating in South Wales, uh, the mining of bituminous lump coal in the UK has ended and that mine in South Wales is due to finish uh, at the end of next year. Now, I mean, at the moment, you know, our focus or in the past couple of years, our focus has been just trying to make sure we're known about and see if we can help mining companies retain some form of mining in the UK. Um, that hasn't come to pass. And as I said, that the, the Fossifran mine in, in South Wales is due to close at the end of next year. As it happens for this year and, and next year, actually, there's plenty of coal around. Not much was used last year, obviously. Um, 
and um, it's still being stocks used up from the last mine in Scotland and in England, which, which closed last year. The stock's being used up from there, plus from FOSS, uh, plus a few imports coming in. So this year and next year, you know, there's there's coal available. There's there's bituminous coal available. It's after that that we start to get concerned with where is the coal coming from. The Heritage Railway Association has been busying itself behind the scenes, and we've um, linked up with an import partner, um, a firm who are used to importing aggregates and so on. Um, and a couple of sources of very high quality coal from Russia have been sourced. Trial loads been brought in, tested on uh, five different heritage railways. So far, so good. So we know there's coal out there. We know there's an import partner uh, ready and willing to, to work with, with us. So in the longer term, you think, OK, yeah, we can, we can sort this out. This, this should be OK. The very firmly related issue is the wider environmental issue, because we all have to take our environmental responsibilities very seriously. The Heritage Railway Association have been saying to, to, to railways and indeed other sectors such as road steam and maritime and steam and so on, is that we have to mitigate our use and we have to use it sensibly. You know, we are there to demonstrate uh, the power of steam and, and steam, coal powered steam, you know, drove the industrialization not just of the UK but of the world. You know, it's it, it's it's massive from an ed educational and, and heritage cultural point of view, but nonetheless, we still have have a responsibility to to to, to do it properly. Um, so the way we're moving forward is making sure that we are heard in the four parliaments, not just the UK government, but in the Welsh Assembly as well, the Welsh government and the Scottish government and the Northern Irish Assembly, all of whom look after public health issues and clean air issues and so on, to make sure that our voice is heard, that we can still carry on burning coal to demonstrate uh, heritage steam. As much as anything from an educational point of view, it is about enjoyment, but it's about learning as well. A lot of heritage railways are museums, they're cultural institutions, they're part of the UK's uh, industrial heritage. A lot of them are accredited museums, the whole line is accredited museums. So, it's very much moving in the direction of saying, yeah, we can get the coal supplies, that's fine. We use the minimum um, required to demonstrate from an educational and learning and enjoyment perspective, you know, the power of steam using this once massive fuel, um, you know, which, which was used on just about everything, which actually powered the world. And it started right here in the UK. So that's the sort of message we're, we're, we're now put, putting out and relaying uh, to governments uh, and, and other partners uh, and so on. There's also um, related to that, we're working on or supporting work on alternative coals. Now, what's an alternative coal? Well, things like bio coal and uh, I suppose coal substitutes, very early uh, days yet and this is probably a five to ten year R&D project for a number of firms but there's various firms coming in and seeking funding and coming into the uh, into the R&D area and uh, we're working with them in some cases next month there's some trials on the Heritage uh, Railway Association member in East Anglia on the Bure Valley Railway they're trialing a couple of types of, uh, of alternative fuel uh, and again that's part of our responsibility we've got an obligation to do that to make sure it's not just about continuing to burn bituminous coal if there's an alternative coal uh, which can be created vegetation matter and, and so on and so forth then we've got an obligation to to support that work it's a tough challenge it's a very tough challenge because coal is compressed energy and it's perfect for the job 
but as I say, there are there are um, groups now now working on the alternative. So, yeah, it's it's not a great situation, but we're working with it. And actually, the future isn't looking isn't looking too bad. But we're not complacent. Thanks, Steve. Have you anything to add, Michael? Uh, it's difficult to add to add much to that. I think I I I, I grew up in a town called Ashington in, in Northumberland, which was for many years the, the largest mining village in in certainly in, in the UK and uh, um, allegedly more, more widely. So it's it's kind of difficult to be thinking that we've reached the point where there are no, no longer any any coal mines. I mean, from our point of view, we, we've been used up until last year. Our coal has travelled all of 20 miles up the road from a large open cast site, um, just a little further down, down, down the A1. We used the opportunity um, of lockdown to um, to have a fundraising effort amongst our membership and bought up as much coal as we could afford before that mine closed. So I think we're in a comfortable position of, of, of having enough to see us through the next couple of years, which by which time hopefully, as Steve says, we'll, we'll have a clearer idea of of what the, the actual viable alternatives are and and, uh, and how we can go forward from there. Ian, just finally on on the subject of coal, have, have you any final comments or any any position that the ORR take on this? I think from a safety perspective, I put it in terms of my mind to stop and think. And I think anything that focuses on how the heritage sector uses its coal is a good thing because there are safety opportunities there. Because I've heard Steve talk in the past about the importance of making sure that we burn coal, that we burn it efficiently. We make best use of the steam that we create. And I think railways and locomotive owners, locomotive fires, when they're steaming, if they stop and think about, well, how can I best make use of the coal that I have? Let's not waste the energy. There are then safety opportunities there just to make sure that we are doing what we think we're doing, that the kit we've got is working the way that it is meant to be working. That whole concept of review will always reap safety benefits. And it's a good illustration of how safety risk control being good is good business risk control. And thanks all for your comments on on the, the issue of coal. I was going to say the burning issue of coal, but that's just a pun too far. So, listen, this has been a very interesting discussion and we're almost out of time, but if there was one thing you'd want to see in the next year on the Heritage Railways, what would it be? I'll just open the floor. Um, I'll, I'll jump in if, if you like. I suppose, I suppose the straight answer is I want to see lots and lots and lots of visitors uh, because I want to see Heritage Railways re-emerging back to where they should be and where they want to be. But, of course, I that has to be in the context that they are run competently with strong leadership, great governance, and that they are run safely. But we want to see Heritage Railways you know, back to where they are. As Michael said earlier on, uh, COVID did, despite everything else, provide some time for reflection for uh, boards and leadership and management teams to reflect and think, do we need to do things differently for financial models to change and so on, uh, opportunities to, to change um, safety management systems or update them and so on, improve competency. So long may that uh, continue. And, um, and I'm looking forward to 2021 into 2022, again, seeing railways re-emerge as first class, safe and uh, popular visitor attractions. What about yourself, Michael? I think I'd like to see um, more sharing of, of ideas and knowledge and, and learning b- between railways. And, and, and I think one of the things which we haven't done well in, in the past was, you know, we, we, we kind of worked in glorious isolation. One of the things that our position has pushed us into is that we've we've had to go to a number of railways and, and ask for guidance, suggestions, 
and any copies of, of, of documents that they have that might be helpful to us. And, and that's been a constructive um, exercise. I think most have been quite open to that. Some have, have been quite open to admitting that they didn't actually have the things that we were looking for, which was also quite quite illuminating. I think one of the things which has, has been a, a benefit of, of, of COVID is the extent to which we've had to shift towards using technologies like Zoom and, 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 and Teams and, and, and so on. And certainly some of the things that the HRA have, have organised this year that, that have been run by uh, by your teams have just illustrated the, the extent to which there is a, an enthusiasm for that sort of thing. And, and I believe that the numbers attending have been far higher than they, than they ever were when you were actually having an event and, and calling people to it. So I, I, I'd like to hope that we'll use these things a lot more constructively and, and positively in the future. Okay, Ian, a final word to yourself. And I think you know, both Michael and Steve are quite right. There have been many horrible things that have come about because of COVID-19, but I think COVID-19 did provide a slight glimmer of light and that it gave a period of reflection where heritage could reflect on where are their strengths, where are their weaknesses. And I've certainly seen over the 12, 12 months far greater examples of cooperation where railways have come together to support each other proving how they manage risk, be it business or safety risk. And I think that's what I'd like to see continuing going forward is an increased levels of cooperation and leadership from HRA and from individual member railways. As they share knowledge, there's lots of knowledge out there in 200 separate railways where if they shared that together, they could become a stronger group working together going forwards. Uh, thanks, Steve. Thanks, Ian. Thanks, Michael. And that's all we have time for today. Look out for part two of this podcast in the coming months as the Rail and Road Pod visits Allen Valley Railway to see some of the work that you've heard about today and also be speaking to some of the passengers and volunteers. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.